This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Sebastian, welcome. Thank you. I read your Virgin Manifesto. You did? Mm-hmm. I must say, I found it rather appalling. Well, that's a first. Most people praise me for it. Most people are sheep. Who are you to criticize something that you've never experienced? I wasn't criticizing anything. It's just my belief people shouldn't experience the act of love until they are in love. And I don't think people are age or mature enough to experience those kinds of emotions. Are you a lesbian? I'm just a girl. Look, I didn't mean to offend you. on a little bit of that What's that supposed to mean? I've been very well informed of your reputation. What have you heard? That you promised girls the world to get them in bed with you. Who told you this? A friend wrote me. Well, that's a little tacky. Why do you sound so surprised? It's the truth, isn't it? Kia theatre nerds, it's us, I'm Mel, he's Mike. I am. You're backstage on Free FM once <laughs> again. How have you been, Mike? Oh, uh, busy. I always ask but you, you know this that. and you always say that. <laughs> well, you know, this is my life. This is, <laughs> this is the life of a theatre nerd. <laughs> yeah, especially when you get to my age, you know, you just got to find stuff to keep doing. You've got to make the most of them while you can. Otherwise you get moss in places that you don't want moss, you know? You've got to be the Rolling Stone. They don't want to know where, oh, yeah, where you've okay. got moss, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I keep most of it hidden. But, um, you know, I've got to say that, you know, now that we've kind of restarted ourselves for 2022, you got past your wedding and all that sort of thing and your honeymoon. And we kind of had a bit of a fresh start at things, I think, a few weeks back. It felt like it, eh? And it feels like it. We're rather rejuvenated and got a new sense of purpose, which I'm really enjoying, I must say. I'm really enjoying all the people that we're getting to meet and talk to. Yeah, and I I want to keep that up because I think, uh, you know, the feedback I'm getting from occasional listeners and, you know, the one or two diehard fans that we have (laughs) is that hearing what other people are up to is really what makes it all interesting and worthwhile. Exactly. And sometimes inspirational. 
Oh, well, that's nice. Mm. I like that. Uh, how fun was Jacinta last week? Oh, great. So fun. She's such a natural. Yeah, that woman is crazy. Just crazy good, you know? She's... Well, I mean, she is crazy, but she's also crazy good. <laughs> she'll, she'll hit me for that. <laughs> she's crazy good in a way that she is so enthusiastic about stuff. She uh, is, was so great to get on board with Blood Brothers, you know? Yeah. As somebody who's lived in the town understands what Liverpool's history is. She, I mean, she passed on so much of that to us in her first discussion with us as a cast. Cool. And it made such a big impression that every single one of the cast is working really hard to make sure don't want to let Jacinta down. You know, we've got to, <laughs> to make sure we get those accents right, you know. Oh, good. Makes for a good show. Yeah. You know, we want her to come to opening night or whenever it is she's going to come and to walk away thinking... Proud of my team. I did some good. <laughs> oh, good. That's so, and obviously, talking to Angela, I didn't get to be there, but that was lovely. She's a wonderful Scottish lady. Yeah, and I learned some stuff about her in yeah. having that little discussion that I did. Uh, you know, we've talked on lots of other things uh, over the time that I've been involved in rehearsals with Angela, but in the little bit of time we had to record the interview, um, there were there were things about the way that she works and the stuff that she's done that was new to me. She and can it's be nice. She can be a quite different person when she's not directing. Yeah, you know, I there's sort imagine. of a different side to it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I suppose as there is to all of us. Um, if you missed last week's episode, we did interview Angela Walker, who is directing Blood Brothers. Jacinta Parsons joined us as, a, I guess, a guest host. And if you missed it, you can catch it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, AccessMedia.nz, pretty much wherever you get your podcast. Yeah, wherever you go for podcasts, you'll probably find us. If you look hard... A musical of the week this week is one I know nothing about. Did you know it was a movie? No. Yeah, so you've literally Cruel never heard of it. Cruel Intentions, the 90s musical. You, this has come totally out of left field. I knew nothing about it. and I, I read that and I thought, why don't I? I'm surprised that you don't know the movie. You'll, I mean, once I tell you a little bit about it, you will know exactly I what am, it is. I'm hanging out here waiting for it because um, I love it when you teach me stuff. <laughs> when the grasshopper teaches the non-grasshopper <laughs> You were going to say the old coot, right? Uh, I <laughs> would say nothing of the sort <laughs> So it's crunch time for you and your upcoming show, Blood Brothers We keep talking about it, how's it going production week yet? We, we hit the stage last weekend for the first time mm -hmm. um, We had sits probe Sunday morning That's Oh right. god, I love doing sits probe Aren't they good? We have a nine-piece band mm -hmm. of some of the best musicians in the region Mm-hmm it is absolutely stunning, and it's such a privilege to stand on a stage and sing with these wonderful people who know their stuff inside out and bring such expression to the music under Julia's direction, of course. It is just a neat feeling to start yeah. putting all that together. And then we started uh, rehearsing, actually, within the space that we have on the stage, which is so different from the rehearsal room. Totally. And it was just so good to get to that point where now we start really putting it together. Started taking shape. It. Yeah. Yeah. And we're pulling it apart again to, for, for this week. Like last night, we worked on Act 1 in, in some detail. Tomorrow night, we're working on Act 2. Then get this coming right. weekend, we start really... We get into production week from Sunday, and it's going to be pretty hard slog through next week. But it is going to be I hard feel slog. Like I feel like it's going to be good. Uh, you know, when, I'm, when I say that, what I mean is I think it's going to be good work. It's going to be good to do because the result when we open on the 14th will be stunning you know I oh, I don't know if it's too controversial to say this um, I, you know we do so many shows and when you're the president of a society oh, I'm only new, a new president but you, you do so many shows so you don't get that 
major excitement, you know, that every cast and crew does. But I feel, having had nothing to do with this show, I feel really excited to sit in the audience on opening night, and I'm really proud, you know? So are you not going to come to any rehearsals on purpose? You want to be there for the opening night Well, experience? I mean, you don't, I'm not required to be at rehearsals. No, I'll probably, I just thought you might pop in. I will pop in, uh, probably to say good luck and break a leg. Well, <laughs> I won't say good luck, I'll say break no, a leg. No, say break a leg. Um, no. And etc. But I really, really want to be wowed and awed and surprised which i'm sure i will be i think every, everything we talked about last week about the show and um, about how multi-layered it is and how nuanced it is mm. is is bearing fruit in terms of the number of people who are getting excited about it bookings are starting to really take off we're getting sold yeah. out performances now so i've that excites me as a mm. as a performer and as somebody who wants to share what we're doing i've wanted as many people as possible to come and see what we've been working on because it's it's going to be epic it's a show i love and so thrilled to get the chance to do it again so pleased to be doing it with hamilton musical theater we've opened up another matinee yes i saw that right? so it, it is going to be well worth seeing and if you see no other show this year this could be the one to make sure you do see i would go ahead and concur that we would say that though wouldn't we we would say that yeah uh, <laughs> as we have we mentioned yet we have a very special lady joining us today we do uh, Julie Taylor from Matamata Dramatic Society. She's going to talk to us a little bit about her role with the society and their the, upcoming the, show. Yep, they've got a local play called Any Port in a Pandemic. Well, she didn't talk to me, but she talked to Mike. She talked to me. Because uh, yeah. he got a little moment with her this afternoon. Tell us all about it. I will do that. You know, I've been aware of Matamata Dramatic Society or Matamata Little Theatre as it the signpost actually says when mm. you when you drive to the street where it is it actually says Mutter Mutter Little Theatre. I've known about them for flipping ages Donkeys, ever, yes, ever yeah. since I was a kid because I grew up in Pataru nearby, only twenty minutes away. So Mutter Mutter was kind of like an extension of what we were all about. And I very well recall the many, many productions from both societies which involved personalities from both communities. Mm. We intermingled and involved each other in each other's productions. We learned from each other. This, you know, back in the day, as I say, that's, <laughs> that's just how it was. Yeah. And Shared resources, right? Yeah. And it might be something that perhaps baby boomers were partly responsible for but over time it seems like a, some of that's been lost in some communities for a lot of smaller centers around the country actually maintaining that kind of momentum has been for some places a real struggle mm. and as we've remarked before keeping people involved generally and keeping them active can be a real mission if you find the recipe that gets it right you know bottle it and keep doing it because that's what will work and here is a society Matamata dramatic society that is pretty consistently keeping its output and its standards you know, pretty well up there. Mm. And by all accounts, uh, they seem to enjoy really good support from the community as well. Yeah, cool. They come to watch the shows and they, they're excited about what the uh, little theatre is going to be doing each year. So that is a good litmus test for how well the society mm. is regarded, right? So I, I got to wondering, you know, what is their particular secret? What makes it work for them? Mm. And how does this small town theatre group like that keep putting up good quality entertainment year in, year out, sometimes you know, in the worst of circumstances Yeah, what are their resources, where do they come from who are the people, etc. Precisely mm -hmm. what's the ethic, what is the philosophy that drives it all and I've performed for MDS I was in a play there um, some years ago and, and I know many of the people involved there and I can tell you the answer is hetangata, hetangata, hetangata. Is that cool? It is the people yep. who make the difference Yeah 
and they share a belief that what they're doing is important what they're doing is worthwhile and most of all they love and enjoy what they do and that is palpable and as a result they they keep that spirit alive and i think that's made a huge difference and we touched on this a little bit with i think thames music and drama yeah having the same kind of feeling you know they're, they're a community kind of on their own yeah smallish they just keep doing what they love doing and keeping that spirit going and i think it's a lesson for a lot of smaller societies to learn from anywho we're talking about julie taylor julie is a busy person she is a very well experienced performer in her own right a theater practitioner who is dare i say it <laughs> i think like you and me a bit of a theater nerd you have to be don't you yeah she moved into the area from auckland and scoped out what the theater scene was like before making the decision that Mata Mata was okay for her, you okay. know, that she was going to dive in. Good. And the fact that she is now president of MDS is great testament to her commitment to the area and to her belief that the society is doing something special and she wants to contribute to that. Mm. It was really neat to talk with her, and, and I kicked off our discussion by asking her about this play, Any Port in a Pandemic. It was written by well-known local playwright Richard Previtt. He's written a ton of stuff for them over the years. And I had to start by asking the obvious, of course, what's the synopsis? Yeah. Well, the um, synopsis, if I'm allowed to give away a little bit of a clue... No spoilers. No spoilers. It's sort of lockdown going wrong. We have an oligarch who's returned from overseas to New Zealand to isolation Auckland with his little bubble, and the bubble gets somewhat disrupted. And that's probably as much as I'm allowed to say without the playwright getting cross, I think. <laughs> Fair enough. OK, big cast... Cast of six. Well, that's not bad. That's manageable, isn't it? Well, the original bubble's only three, so that oh, okay. <laughs> you can imagine what happens. But yes, it's only a cast of six, so... Obviously, it's a comedy. Very much so. Richard's sort of taken, I suppose, a scenario that for many New Zealanders would have felt quite threatening at the beginning. It's set at the very beginning of the pandemic when New Zealand was in fear, when people were storing toilet paper and obsessive about buying flour and purchasing bread and unnecessary things that we could produce on a daily basis anyway, but we were all stockpiling madly and getting scared and doing all those sort of things. And it's taking a more irreverent look at that, uh, some of the kind of lockdown issues that you might have, but also, of course, a totally chaotic bubble that really bursts at the seams. Yeah. Okay, so it's created um, a story that is all about the unique New Zealand experience. At very much, point, yeah. very much how it was in New Zealand at the mm. time. Tell me about Richard with his approach to writing. Has he just delivered a script and said, right, go for it? Or is he actively involved in the development of the play? Richard is very much hands-on with the development of the play. Uh, originally in 2021, Richard and I ran an acting workshop in 16th Avenue Theatre in Tauranga. And we actually used a lot of the scenes from the play with those actors and actually fleshed them out. And Richard was very much looking at how the scenes worked. Did they each individual scene stand on its own feet? Did it need additional dialogue? As we've been doing the play, as actors, we've had the opportunity to say to him, I don't like that line, or the scene needs a little bit more. So, for example, without giving too much away about the plot, there is a fight sequence in there that was a, a whole page shorter. But we were enjoying it so much as actors, we were getting right into it and having a really lovely time. We said, we'd just like a little bit more conflict here, Richard. And he went off and came back two days later with an extra page and just changed the scene slightly. And I think it works much better. So he's been very much hands-on involved looking at, we changed the ending slightly on the basis that the director wasn't that happy with it. So he's been very, very flexible in his approach. Is that typical of the way that he works? 
Yes, it is, and it's why he often premieres his shows in Matamata, because he lives locally, both there and in Tauranga. For him, it's a chance to actually work actively with the theatre and with the actors themselves to find out what's working and what isn't, because as a playwright, it all works in your head, but when you go to put it on the stage, it doesn't always quite work. So I know that for me, with the 10-minute plays we did, I got my family to actually act them all out. One, so I could time them, but two, to hear the dialogue, because it's not until you hear actors deliver the lines that you think, oh, that line really sings, or that one sort of doesn't quite, you know, give the message that I'm wanting to give. How much do you know about his back catalogue stuff that he's written? Because I I often see his name come up as having written something that, uh, as you say, premieres, in uh, on stage in Matamata, and I've always thought it is quite remarkable that a town that size has a playwright in residence, so to speak. Yes, he's quite amazing. He's been going a very long time. The last full-length play we did of his was Family Trust in 2018, but he has had a, a one-act short play performed in that time and a 10-minute play too. But his history with the theatre goes back a very, very long time indeed. And a lot of the plays that premiere in Matamata then get picked up around the country. So he's always dashing off to watch performances in other towns. And I think he's fascinated by, you know, what other directors will do with the shows because then he's less hands-on and more just going along to watch the finished product. Mm. Um, But he's amazing. It's really cool to have a a playwright available to you, as you've described before, you know, to to, to talk about development of dialogue, for example. I just always am am curious to see how prescriptive they want to be when they're discussing their own work. But Richard's had enough experience that he's he's well past that sort of (laughs) don't-touch-my-baby kind of approach to things, isn't he? I think most playwrights just want something that has the best dialogue and the most fast-moving plot. So I think most playwrights are quite open to looking at that with casts. I've worked with Roger Hall before. He's very open to listening to your thoughts and perhaps changing a few words around. But Richard is very, very, very flexible in terms of listening to the actors. He comes along to rehearsals and actually listens. I know one of the lines that I deliver, I said to him, look, I'm struggling to learn this line, I just find it clunky. And he turned around and said, I agree with you, Julie, let's change it. What do you think we should say instead? So we sat down there and sort of workshopped a few different lines and then came up with something I felt more comfortable with that my character would actually say. Okay, tell me about the nuts and bolts regarding the production. You open on the 7th, just around the corner, so uh, you must be almost at dress rehearsal stage, I would think, tonight. Bookings are done through the Society's own website, as I understand. That's right. Yes, you go on to the Matamata Dramatic Society website, which is mds.org.nz. Uh, tickets are $25, and we run from the 7th, so we open on the Saturday, and we perform every night right through to the 14th. Wow. That's pretty full on, isn't it? It is indeed. We have, there's a matinee on the Sunday, but all the other performances at 7.30, and it'll be a very busy week for all the cast and crew and actors involved. Right, now I want you to put your president's hat on because you've come into that role, I think, uh, last AGM you were made president. Right? Right. So I want to talk about Matamata Dramatic Society or Matamata Little Theatre as it's sometimes done as well and just how prolific you've been over the years and the fact that you're still a very active organisation and for a town the size of Matamata that's no small achievement, especially given the last couple of years. Can you put your finger on what it is that makes a difference in terms of what you do? For a start, I think we're a very warm, um, enthusiastic and inclusive team. You know, some of us that have turned up from other areas of the country have been welcomed with open arms, which is not something you always get in theatre. We have a very large committee. Uh, They're very open to new suggestions and ideas. When I first arrived in Matamata, I think the Dramatic Society were doing two plays a year and the occasional 
small festival, whereas now we do two full-length plays a year. We always do a midwinter small festival, either of one-act plays or ten-minute plays. We have improbable theatre sports performance running throughout the year, and we also have Friday flicks. So we have once a month a, a film screening in the theatre of a sort of an, an art movie or something like that. So we're actually getting more active um, and, and including more different types of activities in the theatre. We're making much better use of the building. It was our 75th anniversary last year, and unfortunately we weren't able to celebrate it last year, so we're going to do it this year and hold a big fundraiser. So we're really trying to develop the theatre, put some new toilets, upgrade the foyer, um, new lighting and curtains, and really just kind of bring the bring the place to life. It's long, wonderful history in Matamata, but we're well alive and moving forward. The various activities you've just mentioned, are that conscious strategy to build uh, support or involvement, or is it a two-pronged attack uh, to achieve both? To include more of the community and greater involvement. So what we're looking for is to include some younger people in our performances and new actors, people who have perhaps been a bit nervous about auditioning for a full-length play but are happy to take on a shorter format. Uh, we've been holding workshops and we're going to continue to hold more acting workshops. And it's really been exciting. One of the our improvisation group, The Improvables, which grew out of a characterisation workshop in 2020, literally the weekend before we went into lockdown, so we're really lucky to be able to hold the workshop. But when I was running the acting workshop, a lot, I used a lot of um, theatre improvisation games and things like that, and the actors actually loved it and said, oh, we could form a club, we could form a troupe. And we kept emailing each other through that whole process, and at the other end we formed, we came up with the name The Improvables, and we've been rehearsing... We, we get together as a group once a month regardless of what's going on in the world. It's just been, OK, we're doing this anyway. And as soon as an opportunity, and the flexibility of that means that as soon as there's an opportunity, you can open up your theatre doors and perform. You don't need all those rehearsals. You don't need a set. You don't need those kind of things. So it's given us a flexibility. But what we found is a lot of young people have come on board with that. A lot of people in their 20s and 30s who formerly sort of thought we were a bit of an older group or a bit more of an establishment group and suddenly we've got they've seen that we're actually vibrant we're happening I admit that um, those performances do sometimes have a bit of adult content and can be a bit risque but you know it's it's something different and exciting in Matamata and something that the young people seem to be really enjoying so clearly there was a bit of a need for that there's something to inspire the younger people Yes, and, get, and to get new members involved. We don't want to be just seen as being putting on a certain type of plays. We like to be open to the idea of using the theatre in different ways. We even consider doing a performance outside, and I think those are the sort of things that we need to be exploring in the future. Let's kind of keep things happening and make it different and exciting and vibrant and find out what people really enjoy the most. How active are you as an organisation in um, experiencing what other theatres in the region are doing? Do you, do you make a, a conscious effort as a, as a group or as a committee to go out and see other productions? We do. A lot of the committee are very active. They, they travel all over the countryside going to different productions, particularly Hamilton, Tauranga, Te Araha, Morinsville, Bataruru, and of course the musical theatre group in Matamata we all support each other so we go along and watch their shows and they come along and watch ours it's certainly not an exclusive kind of club we the more you go out and watch what other people are doing the more you learn and you also get ideas for different playwrights and plays that it might be worth looking at or exploring. I was going to ask about the relationship with Matamata Musical Theatre actually because uh, in small towns you've got to have a lot of cross-pollination in terms of involvement with people between two organisations like that. We're actually trying to promote the link between the two. We deliberately try and sort of put our plays on at times of the year that don't clash with each other so that we're not sort of 
stealing each other's audiences. We certainly support each other. And I mean, I'm in any port in a pandemic is one of the roles, but then I'm moving on to the musical theatre's production later in the year and I'll be singing. So we sort of do, even though I'm president of one, doesn't mean I'm not involved in the other. We're all kind of very much, and we're trying to foster that. We're trying to embrace that so that we can really fit in with each other and encourage performing arts generally within the community. What are your hopes as president if you continue in the role for another couple of years or so? Where do you want to see the organisation in, say, three years? I'd like to see the kind of growth that we've had over the last couple of years. Despite lockdowns and everything else, we've managed to create some new ideas and get some impetus going. So I'd like to see that continue to improve. I certainly want to see a major upgrade of the theatre. It's a really lovely, intimate space. It works really well for our needs, but it just needs a bit of modernisation so that for the young people coming along, they don't look at it and think, gosh, you know, what is this theatre all about? They can walk in and feel very welcome and at home. And that's, that's our main thing. We're also fundraising for a new toilet block, so that will be exciting because we want unisex toilets. We've decided that this whole segregation thing is probably a bit, bit silly. Let's all, you know, sort of go with the modern world and do what everyone else is doing. Yeah, fair enough. Can you talk at all about what's on the cards in terms of your calendar for the next 12 months? Well, we've got a very, very busy calendar coming up. So from the 17th to 14th of May, we've obviously got any port in a pandemic. But then the following Friday on the 20th, we have the Improvables performing at 7.30. So for people who want hilarity and improvised chaos, that's a good show to come along. And the following Friday, we have Friday Flicks. So even in May itself, we're really busy. But in July, we've got a one-act festival coming along. So there are two plays there. One of those is another New Zealand play, Chuk Chuk, by Fiona Farrell. So that's a really neat play, a fun play, with a social message to be putting on. And, and then we've got another full-scale production coming on later in the year. So What's that going to be? It's a murder mystery, and it's a re- it's, it was actually cast last year. So this is a play that's being deferred because of COVID. So the cast were already in production, and then we went into our red traffic light settings and couldn't perform it. So it's actually being postponed um, because that cast preferred an end-of-year production. Yeah. So The Mask of the Crippled Harlequin will be on later on in the year. Okay, what about 2023? You're thinking that far ahead? We are thinking that far ahead because we have our 10-minute play festival and that takes a lot of planning. So that's where writers from all around the region send in their 10-minute plays and we hold a competition and the top six plays get performed and, and that's an opportunity for new actors and new directors to have a go at that 10-minute format rather than giving them a full-length play. We find that really works well in finding new talent. Now, out of that, we've also got coming up later this year two of our playwrights who have in the past written 10-minute plays have actually now written full-length plays. So we're going to get some actors together and workshop those and get test audiences and actually see if we can get those ready for full production as well. So we really want to encourage local playwrights and community involvement in that. So... We're looking forward to an exciting year of lots of New Zealand local drama next year. So there you go, you've just met Julie Taylor, President of Matamata Dramatic Society. Quite like to meet her in person. She's lovely, and uh, you know, she won't mind me saying that. I'm sure she, she won't. She's a lovely personality. <laughs> nobody, nobody hates to be told they're lovely. We could have taken up most of the show today with talking to her about um, you know the stuff they're doing, the stuff they want to do, and, and and so on. But as you as you heard her talk about, you know, the belief that um, getting younger people involved has been a real uh, a boost for them. That's pivotal. It's giving them a new direction um, and helping them to build on their 75 years of history. So that they'll be going for another 75 years, I reckon. Well, no, that's today. I think these small town societies only keep thriving because of the people that keep bringing in more people does that make sense (laughs) well it is you know they've got to interest people they've got to interest them enough to get involved and inspire them yeah and if 
being involved just means coming and supporting shows. That's great. But if mm-hmm. you being involved means actually you know, making props or working backstage or taking a role or learning how to sing or whatever it may be, mm. that's even better. And if you can find what works for your community, I think that's the key. It is the key. Yeah. Mata Mata's done it. Thames has done it. What's the challenge for the rest of them? For the rest of us. Tiffany's from our musical of the week, Cruel Intentions. You're with Mel and Bike backstage on Hamilton's Free FM 89.0. Musical of the week, eh, Mel? Are you ready? I am. As ready as you're going to be. You know, I made the I made the confession at the start of the show, I don't know about this one. I, I, I know nothing. Well, you'll know these songs, surely. I mean, you know the song Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yes, I do. And this, my first thought when I read the little bit that I did mm. about the show, because I didn't want to come in here totally ignorant... <laughs> <laughs> suggested to me this is another um, jukebox style of musical where the you know songs of an era are coupled together around a story. I'm gathering that they've done it quite successfully by the fact that you've chosen it for musical of the week. Uh, you know, I don't know how successful it has or hasn't been, but I'll, uh, let me tell you about it. So, okay. um, if you're anywhere near my age, which Mike is not, so I that's, was once. That's why. <laughs> That's why he doesn't know this show. Uh, so Cruel Intentions is a 90s teen movie based on Dangerous Liaisons. 
Okay, right. I yeah. know that one. You know? So it is essentially <laughs> Dangerous Liaisons, but a 90s teen movie. Okay. It has indeed been given the stage adaption treatment as a romp through 90s music and film. So I think they've taken the movie, they've gone, that's a cool idea, it's got heaps of 90s music in it. They've only used four of the songs from the movie and then added a whole bunch of other ones that they like from the 90s. Oh, okay. The writers of the... Well, the writer of the show... Let me give you all of the information I have written on my page. I won't interrupt you, just go for it. Cruel Intentions, the 90s musical, is a 2015 American jukebox musical based on the 1999 film Cruel Intentions. The score is made up of hit songs from the 90s. The musical's book is by Roger Cumble, Lindsay Rosen, and Jordan Ross. Cumble was the writer and director of the original film, which is how this has all come about. For those of you unfamiliar, like, like Mike... Me. <laughs> <laughs> like Mike. Uh, Cruel Intentions is a 1999 modern retake on Stephen Frears' Dangerous Liaisons from 1998, which itself is an adaptation of Christopher Hampton's 1985 play Les Liaisons Dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jacinta. You'll never pass as a Parisian. <laughs> uh, which itself is an adaptation of a Pierre Chaudelot. Oh, you say this. I can't. <laughs> Pierre. Oh, no, you put me on the spot. I'm going to mess it up. Pierre Chaudelot de Laclos. Oh, that was beautiful, Mike. Mm, no, it doesn't. Well, it sounded beautiful to me. <laughs> it's old, though. 1782. 1782, uh, a pistolary novel. Uh, so the so it's been an adaptation after adaptation after adaptation, which yeah. got us to Cruel Intentions, okay. the stage show. The original film starred iconic 90s actors uh, Ryan Philippi, Reese, I, am ne- I actually don't know if that's how you say his name. It's, it's always been controversial. Philippi or Philippe. I would, no, I would knows. tend for Philippe, but that's he, what I he always, may have an affectation that he prefers. I thought it was Philippe when I was a teenager, but I always got corrected, so now I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Ryan Philippe, Philippe Reese Witherspoon, Serum Shalgala, Salma Blair. It's, it's truly an iconic film uh, from the 90s. Four of the score songs, Every You, Every Me, Loveful, Colorblind, and Bittersweet Symphony, were also featured in the film. The show also features the music of Goo Goo Dolls, No Doubt, R.E.M., Ace of Bass, Jewel and InSync in a colourful edition. In addition to the songs from the film soundtrack, such as Bittersweet Symphony by The Verve and Colourblind by Crack Counting Crows. See, now, I know all that music because I was yeah. working in radio through the 80s, 90s you will, and, yeah. and, and commercial radio, so I know all that music. I, I just, I don't know how the movie passed me by, especially with those stars. I mean, you know, they're people I know. Well, you were probably having major probably, life events. Yeah, kids. It was about that time, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, actually, you're right. Yeah, okay. I wasn't a teenager anymore, so it wasn't directed at me, I guess. You were living your adult life. But I knew, I know the music. It's, I mean, it's not a great movie, but it's worth checking out if you're into some light entertainment. I just think it's slightly bizarre to be thinking 90s is kind of, um, what do you call it? Nostalgia? <laughs> but it is then now. Again, you know, we're talking about 30 years ago. Oh, God, don't remind me. I know. Uh, okay, so after two sold-out runs in Los Angeles and a pop-up engagement in New York, the show made its off-Broadway debut at the Greenwich Village nightclub Le Poison Rouge in November of 2017. The show was the first theatre production ever staged at that club, uh, which offered bar and table service, so it was kind of a dinner and show sort of thing. Originally scheduled for a 10-week engagement, the show was extended three times through to April of 2018. So it ran for um, six months or so. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, brief synopsis, we're in the manipulative world of Manhattan's most dangerous liaisons, Sebastian and Catherine. Uh, fueled by revenge and passion, the diabolically charming step-siblings place a bet on whether or not Sebastian can deflower their incoming headmaster's daughter, Annette. As the two set out to destroy the innocent girl and anyone else who gets in their way, they find themselves playing a perilous game with only one rule, never fall in love. Mm. Does somebody fall in love? Probably they do. Because <laughs> that's what they did in the 90s. <laughs> Critical reception. The New York Times called the musical funny and nostalgia fueled. And this call intentions, high school schemers sing the best of the 90s. The choice lines and the inspired soundtrack hits are all there in this enjoyable show. Vanity Fair's Richard Lawson commented, I can't believe how much I recommend Cruel Intentions, the musical. It's perfect nostalgia, sweet, silly, sincere, and genuinely joyous. Oh, wow. The, people, the critics like it. Yeah. Entertainment Weekly raved that the musical infuses the story of the original film with a soundtrack of guilty pleasure pop hits, <laughs> making it the ultimate night out looking for those looking for a 90s throwback. Um, the raves keep coming. Page six's Elizabeth Wagmeister said, Run, don't walk. This show is so much fun and the talent is unbelievably exceptional. And Style magazine described the show as brilliant and magical. It's 110 minutes of pure 90s bliss. Top-notch performances by a supremely talented cast with stage chemistry that's off the charts. This is one production that you do not want to miss. And uh, to be honest, there isn't... A whole lot of other information floating around. Uh, a little snippet I can give you from the inside. I was looking into the show a couple of years ago. I thought it might make a cool Christmas show, and which it would. Oh, yeah. um, and the rights weren't available because the uh, rights holders told me that the show was in development for a Broadway release. Oh, so okay. And not that long ago. Only oh, maybe a year or two ago, yeah. Okay. Um, so, But there is a season on stage in Australia at the moment a right. professional production of, of Cruel Intentions they're doing a, an Australian tour so I don't know what version of the show they're doing or how that worked. I wonder whether the lockdown period of Broadway has changed the outlook for a show like that maybe uh, you know, yeah. they're going to they're go for the, the bums on seats ones like Hamilton, Town, that sort of thing keep them going and take less of a chance on a show that may or may not. Yeah, I think there's lots Although, of... Although, you know, critical response like that, wow. It did quite... I mean, it didn't go straight to Broadway, though, you know, so yeah. there must have been something that wasn't quite right about I, it. Yeah, I take your point. If it, if, if it gets responses like that from critics, maybe box office didn't back that up. And therefore they've said, well, maybe it needs work before we move it to Broadway. Yeah. And I mean, and to be fair, that may be very well what they've done for this Australian tour, or maybe, I don't know, maybe the Australian tour is doing the old version of the show and they just wanted some money. I agree with you, though. It sounds like a great end-of-year material for somewhere. I think it would make a great, yeah, the sort of show that people want to go, eat dinner and drink a bit. Yeah. And sing along. Yeah. People love that. I think they would. I would love that. <laughs> yeah, because it's... Yeah. Uh, and, so, and I could sing along with the music. <laughs> you, well, you could definitely sing along with the music. Uh, so I'm, I may or may not be very long before we see uh, a, a version of the show on our shores, but as we say, that is all I have to say about that. Oh, well said. Thank you. <laughs> Check out the movie. Um, the soundtrack is on Spotify. We're listening to it today. It's the original... I think they just call it the original cast album. Yeah, it wouldn't be the Broadway cast. There is no cast, Broadway so, yeah, cast, so the yeah. very first cast that... Uh, yeah, I think it's that first off-Broadway cast. I think there's something going on between Cecile and her music teacher. Ronald? That's crazy. 
I know. She's so young, and he's so... Black! No, I don't want no scrub. A scrub is a guy who can't get no love from me. Hanging out the passenger side of his best friend's ride, trying to holler at me. I don't want no scrub. A scrub is a guy who can't get no love from me. Hanging out the passenger side of his best friend's ride, trying to holler at me. whether or not to tell you, but something like this could destroy her reputation at Manchester. Oh, I hope I did the right thing. I'd hate to see Cecile ruin things with court. Oh, no, I can't thank you enough for this. You will be discreet about this. Absolutely. Who the hell do you think you are? Excuse me? I am paying you to give piano lessons, not to pervert my child. Mrs. Caldwell, I think you're misunderstanding something. How dare you treat me with such disrespect? I got you off the streets, and this is how you repay me. You got me off the streets? I live in 59th and Park. Yeah, whatever. You are never, and I mean never, to see my daughter again. Is that understood? Scrub's a guy who thinks he's fly and is also known as a buster. Always talking about what he wants and just sits on his broke ass. Oh no, I don't want your number. No, I don't want to give you one. And no, I don't want to meet you nowhere. Listen, I don't want none of your time. I don't want no scrub. Scrub is a guy that can't get no love from me. Hanging on the passenger side of his best friend's ride. Trying to holler at Walking, oh yes, son, I'm talking to you. If you live at home with your mama, oh yes, son, I'm talking to you. If you have a shorty but you don't show love, oh yes, son, I'm talking to you. Wanna get whiskey with no money? Oh no, I don't want no scrub. Thank you for your hospitality, Mrs. Caldwell. It was a true awakening. The black man is gone. The black man is gone. Praise Jesus. The black man is gone. You're backstage with Mel and Mike. Thanks to the sponsorship and support of Free FM 89.0 and Creative Waikato. Cruel Intentions is musical of the week. And so we're taking a good old romp back through the greatest decade of all time. Uh, you know, I mentioned nostalgia before and how easy it is to uh, to forget that, you know, years have gone by since the stuff you remember so fondly. I think about Rent. That was yeah. 20 years ago, 25 years ago now. Yeah, uh, it happens as you get older, Mel. I can tell you this from <laughs> from my perspective. Looking back, you don't realise just how quickly decades roll by, mm. and everybody seems to have a period in their life that they regard as the best the best of years, yeah. <laughs> if you want to put it that way. So I think there's always going to be room in the entertainment sphere for shows like that that totally. that, that speak of a, of an era. 
Yeah. You know, you had it with, you know, The Breakfast Club and um, yep. lots of other shows that have, have chosen music of a certain era to really punctuate what they have to say. That and, would be whether a great it's, musical. Whether, yeah, whether it's coming of age or whether it's some other aspect of, of learning about life. But usually that's what's involved in, in those memories that those things evoke. And I, I guess that's always going to be that way. People always want to tap into that. Yeah, so it's, I suppose it becomes a bit of a cash cow in the end, doesn't it? Yeah. Capitalise on the nostalgia. A bit of a cynical view of it. <laughs> I was I was looking for the romance. Well, anyway, with, um, I am feeling inspired, and like we might have to do a few decades of theatre. That'd be interesting. We could write our own, Mel. Our own musical. Yeah, I'm so keen. I've always wanted to write a musical. All right, we'll put that on the list of stuff on the to-do list. We must get done someday. <laughs> Well, all too soon, we seem to have rolled around to that part of the day again when we're looking at what's coming up around the place soonish. And coming to the stage at Onofero very soon is Peninsula by beloved New Zealand playwright Gary Henderson. It's set on the Banks Peninsula, South Island in the 1960s. And this is a warm-hearted and open-eyed snapshot of life in New Zealand's 20th century rural communities and an insightful glimpse into the concerns, dreams and joys of childhood. We talk about nostalgia. Mm-hmm. This is it. The story centres around Michael Hope, a young boy who lives on a volcano. While geological rumblings may remain deep underground, unrest in the adult world threatens to erupt into his life and change everything. It's rich with Kiwi nostalgia. It will be well worth watching in Onofero if you can make it out there. Um, Onofero, punch above their weight. They're another organisation that's continually doing stuff that really surprises you. Completely agree. And this is a great choice for them in line with a lot of other New Zealand stuff they've been doing recently. So if you can put it somewhere on your calendar, make sure you do. And to give you the lowdown on just when it's coming up, uh, here is our incomplete but somewhat comprehensive list of what's coming up around the place soonish. At the Meteor, Hysterical is created and performed by Carrie Rudzinski and Olivia Hall. That goes to stage on May 5th and 6th. The Sherpa and the Beekeeper, written and directed by Matt Cambick, Uh, May 26th to the 29th. His Girl Friday is presented by Cinema Improviso May 7th. And That Bloody Woman, directed by Courtney Mayle and Kyle Chewin for Bold Theatre, that's coming up in August, I believe. End of August, yeah. Riverly Theatre, Blood Brothers, directed by Angela Walker for Hamilton Musical Theatre. Are you sick of us talking about it yet? <laughs> May the 14th to the 28th is our season. Sherlock Holmes and the Baker Street Irregulars, starring Mel Martin, <laughs> directed by Glenn Matthews for Hamilton Playbox, opens July the 2nd, running to the 16th. And my production of Geezers, well, I shouldn't say my production, the production of Geezers, which I am directing. <laughs> for Hamilton Playbox is uh, rescheduled. It's opening August the 20th. Nice. Clarence Street Theatre have Shrek the Musical coming up. That's directed by Nick Wilkinson uh, and is on stage in the July school holidays from the 19th to the 23rd. And Krishnan's Dairy is being brought back by Indian Inc. That's from September the 8th through to the 10th. Gallagher Academy of Performing Arts at Waikato University have Three Sisters by Anton Chekhov presented by University of Waikato third year theatre study students that plays June 9 and 10 As always Navarra Lounge has open mic night tonight and a few things coming up this weekend uh, open mic night tonight every Wednesday, doors open from 6pm and bookings to perform are essential Woolshed Theatre, Te Awamutu tell us a story presented by the Te Awamutu Light Operatic Society that's such a lovely name mm. on stage in June the Tiaroha Little Theatre have Death and Taxes finally hitting the stage that opens on June the 23rd. 
Gaslight Theatre in Cambridge, Conjugal Rights by Roger Hall. It's on now, running through to May the 14th. And The Things I Know to Be True by Andrew Bovell and directed by Chrissy Hodkinson opens July the 30th, running to August 13th. As we've mentioned today already, Matamata Dramatic Society have coming up any port in a pandemic by Richard Previtt. That hits the stage May 7th and runs until the 14th. This weekend they open. Patararu Theatre Players Moonshine, a hillbilly musical, is happening this month. Thames Music and Drama have Mamma Mia, directed by Diane Connors. That opens on May 28th and runs till June the 4th. Rotorua Musical Theatre has streaking through the 70s, directed by Shona Clout. Opens July the 15th, runs to the 30th. It's another one of those decade ones. Yeah. Onifedo Society of Performing Arts have Peninsula by Gary Henderson. It's directed by Jess and Scott Lorimer, opening May 28th until June the 5th. In Tauranga, Tauranga Musical Theatre have just finished their season of That Bloody Woman, apparently a sellout, every performance. Wonderful. Amazing. Detour Theatre has The Old People Are Revolting by Devin Williamson, directed by Kim Williamson, opening June 16th. Theatre Fakatani have School of Rock, the musical, coming up. That's directed by Sue Harris. Opens June 22 and closes July 9th. Auckland Theatre Company have Scenes from a Yellow Peril by Nathan Joe, directed by Jane Yong, from June 21st to July the 3rd. Long Day's Journey and Tonight by Eugene O'Neill, directed by Shane Bosher. That'll be popular July mm-hmm. the 5th to the 30th. And Dawn Raids by Oscar Kitely, August 16th to September 3rd. Also be a winner, I reckon. Across the way, Auckland Live have The Wedding Singer, the musical, presented by David Venn Enterprises, playing at the Bruce Mason Centre from July, uh, June the 30th until July the 17th. And Oliver is being presented by the National Youth Theatre, playing in the Kitty Takanoa Theatre at the Aotea Centre from July the 1st to the 3rd. Now, upcoming auditions and opportunities, the Miss Cadaver Undead Beauty Pageant, uh, just reminding you they have entries for their final ever Miss Cadaver contest open now. Uh, entries close August the 1st. They're giving you plenty of time to get involved. Email sandrajensen99 at yahoo.com for more information or contact us if you'd missed that. Now, I don't usually... Uh indulge in you know the lots of classes that are going around but I thought this one was quite exciting Scott Hall and his voice studio is offering adult musical theatre classes which is something um, I've been hearing is relatively sought after Mm. especially for adults who maybe a bit later in life decide that they want to have a go so go and check out that opportunity on the Hamilton Actors Group if you are keen they are taking place on Wednesdays, I think. Started uh, perhaps this week, but Scott will fill you in with information if you contact him. Scott will make room for you. Facebook page, yeah. yeah. Highly recommend Scott. Please don't forget, if there is a show or audition opportunity you would like us to spread the word about, email us on backstagepodcastnz at gmail.com or let us know when you see us around the theatre next. You know what, Cobber? We're run out of time, haven't we? Yeah, it's been another full one. That's been fun. Well, they're better full than not, right? <laughs> Big thanks to Julie Taylor for indulging us and uh, joining us on the show today to talk about Maramata Dramatic Society. Love what they're doing out there. Yep, love everything that the smaller communities are doing. If you would like to know more about what the regions and the smaller communities are doing, let me know. Let us know who you want us to talk to. Yeah, want us to shine a little spotlight on what you're all about? We'd love to do that. Mm. Um, I love hearing from people about what they're doing and how they're approaching the problem of keeping things ticking over. All of the above, eh? Yeah. Book your tickets for Blood Brothers. Yep. Book your tickets for That Bloody Woman. Oh, yeah. Book your tickets for Sherlock Holmes. Oh, yeah. Geezers. Yeah. And Saturday Night Fever. Oh, my gosh, there we are. The end of 2022. It's all nearly over. I know. On that note, thank you to Free FM, as always, for hosting us. Also, a big thanks to Creative Waikato for sponsoring us. 
Backstage is available on your favourite podcasting platforms, accessmedia.nz, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, yada, yada, yada. Check out Facebook and Instagram also for backstage updates. Mike and I will be back here next week with another musical of the week up our sleeves and another friendly guest. Well, I hope they'll be friendly. Uh, (laughs) Don't forget to stay home if you're not feeling well. Keep wearing your mask. Keep being kind out there. Our last cab off the rank today is Bittersweet Symphony. What else could we finish with? Mm. From our musical of the week, Cruel Intentions. Stay classy, theatre nerds. See ya. silver lining. It may be hard to see, but what we should learn from this experience is to be true to ourselves and resist the temptations of peer pressure. A student body president, I've tried to set an example in myself. Unfortunately, the one person I could not reach out to in time was my stepbrother, Sebastian. I know he's looking down on us today. He'd want me to say, he'd want me to say, Catherine, he'd want me to say, Catherine, I'm sorry. She's a liar. She's a liar.
Episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.